0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Mistakes Were Made with me, Alex Steger. And me, Frank Talbot. Now, this is our last episode in the current series of this podcast. And for it, we had a very special guest, our boss and CityWire Executive Chairman, Lawrence Lever. Yeah, we we didn't
1: just get Lawrence on because it was easy to get him on the podcast. Uh, We think the perspective that he brings as a business owner... A successful business owner, no less, inevitably made lots of mistakes along the way, not least questionable
0: hires like you and I, Alex. Yeah, I think I think in terms of regrets, he may regret having done this, but he's done it now and it's going out, so that's it's too late for that.
1: It's, yeah, it's notoriously not easy to to start a business, and the trials you face as a founder
0: owner should resonate with with large portions of our audience. For those of you who you know aren't intimately familiar with CityWire and or Lawrence, I'll give a quick bit of background. So, Lawrence trained as a solicitor. He didn't pursue that as a career. Instead, he pursued the far less lucrative route uh, as, a, as a journalist, but he was very successful there. Uh, worked at the Times and the Mail, but he jacked that in to start his own business. That was CityWire. He set it up in 1999. He got some early backing from Reuters, but in this interview, he talks to us quite a lot about, you know, those early days, the difficulties that one faces founding a business, some of the tough decisions that you have to make. Um... So look, without further ado, here's our interview with Lawrence. So Lawrence, you've been you started a business, you've been running it for over 20 years now. There must have been some big mistakes along millions, the way. Millions you, of can them. Can you give us the highlights?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. How long have you got on this podcast? So, okay. First thing is, I knew nothing about business. I'm a financial journalist, right? So what do I know about journalists? I've never built big business so my wife was working for me at the time that was not a mistake in fact we've still got some contracts that she introduced and um there was a kind of legendary in those days there was a legendary venture capital investor called herman hauser and i said to my wife look can we get herman hauser can we get his advice because he's you know maybe he can help us so my wife actually to my you know because she's not scared of anyone she got herman hauser on the phone and and he said, look, he's going away to America or wherever it was for ages. But if we came around now, he's got an hour with us. So like practically the entire company rushed out of our offices in Bloomsbury over to Herman Hauser, and we said to him, Herman, Herman, please help us. We got three ideas. We got Citywire, a news service, news to make investors money. We got Mrs. Cohen's. MrsCohen.com, it's a kind of more broad personal finance thing. And we've got SmallerCo.com, which was an idea of promoting listed companies that were small, which didn't get publicity. These are ideas. Herman, Herman, what should we do? And Herman said, listen, in my experience, I see lots of people like you who come and go, we've got this idea, we've got that idea, we've got the other idea. And the ones that succeed are focused on just one of their ideas and they go for it. And it's the thing that creates the most buzz. So we go, Herman, tell us which one we should focus on. And he said, <laughs> Citywire. And boy, was that good advice.
1: So what did but, you do? But,
2: but, 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 this program's about mistakes. So I've got to be honest with you and say, we went back and said, Herman says Citywire, come on everyone into Citywire. But there was a little voice in my head saying, but Mrs. Cohen, mrs cohen is a brand i've made tv on her you get her on the internet it makes sense maybe we can do mrs cohen as well and i remember i had gavin lumsden from the times to be the editor of mrs cohen.com and we dropped the smaller company stuff i wasn't really that interested in it anyway we dropped the smaller company stuff and we went with citywire and mrs cohen.com and of course that was a Mistake because Mrs. Cohen, we ran for a year or two. It lost six hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Its only great advantage was it was a tax loss. But other than that, it was a bad decision. Nobody's fault other than mine. It just didn't work. And um, and Citywide was the success. So Herman was right.
0: And so your mistake here. I did here... not
2: take his advice fully.
0: Yes. Yeah, so your mistake here was 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 not listening to good advice. Um, but also, I, I suppose, what what did you? You know, over time, what did you learn from, from from that? Focus. Focus.
2: Don't get tempted. There's so many things that look like your business, that look like, yes, you could do this. Yes, it makes sense. Oh, you've got fund manager data. Why don't you be a fund management group? Why don't you do a fund of funds? Oh, you, you've got fund manager data. Why don't you be a platform? You know, all of these things that kind of look analogous or adjacent to what it is you're doing, just be really, really careful because it might look like your business, but often it really isn't. So focus on what you're doing and build that out rather than chase after things and learn to let things go. That's what I learned.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And in that early in those early years, then when you so you've ignored Herman's advice, you've made that mistake and you're, you're plowing on with, with with two businesses for whatever it was a year or two, and as you say you're sort of losing money while doing so, um, can we, you know, I think you've spoken to us about this before. Was that a, you know, how difficult a time was that? Did, were there any, Was there points then when you thought it was a mistake to start a business full stop?
2: No, I wouldn't say it was that really, but um, two things, there were definitely times where I just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: We were losing money,
2: 200,000 pounds a month. We got 3 million in the bank. That's 15 months worth of money and the money is going down every single month. OK, so there were times where I couldn't quite see what the light is at the end of the tunnel. And I remember at one point we tried to sort of sell ourselves back to Reuters quickly to sort of kind of get rid of the problem. But thankfully, they didn't accept our crazy valuation, um, et cetera, et cetera. So there were times where we thought our only way out was to sell. OK, so, so there was that. Um, but, but, but basically, you know, this is, this is business. I mean, I never want to start another company. I started. I was an old person. I was 42 when I started. I wasn't a youngster. Okay, I'm 63 now. I did. I never want. You know, they talk about people as serial entrepreneurs. Not me. Never <laughs> want to do it again. Citywire has been great and it's been successful, but I'm not going through that again because the first four years were really, really tough.
1: So would you would you do it again, Definitely knowing what not. you know? Definitely no, not. You you no, never start a business I again.
2: I might become a sort of old fogey on 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 other people's boards, giving them advice. But no, 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 that's want... not, that's not
1: that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, knowing what you know today, would you start Citywire again?
0: Would you go back to the view? Go back to time machine. It's 1999. You've, oh yeah, you know...
2: yeah, yeah. No, I would, I would, because only because I I you know I'd fall. I didn't want to be an investigative journalist anymore. I yeah you know, I wanted to build something. I wanted to build something and i wanted to test myself and uh, and i feel like city has been a, a massive test for me because i had no experience i've had to make all the mistakes in the game and you know and get through and just accept the knocks i'll give you another a funny example but um, Uh, you know, I realized after a period of time, I realized that my first reaction to everything was wrong. It was the wrong reaction. (laughs) Often it came from emotion. Somebody had done something. I got angry. I gave an emotional response. So I learned, hold on, you know, hold on to that response. Don't express it. And then hopefully your second, you know, response to it is the correct one. So you had to kind of really dig down into yourself and say, just hold back
0: because
1: I was like,
2: Reacting wrongly.
0: Do you know? I think I don't know about you, Frank. I think that's something I've learned over time. Yeah, yeah I
1: think that's something <laughs> I've learned from Lawrence, actually. Yeah, you're,
0: you're, you, you I never, taught you never something. Give Frank, Frank, <laughs> well my done. boy,
1: I taught
2: him everything he knows. Oh,
0: please. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> look how he's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I've definitely learned that over time. Sort of. Yeah, initial response is oh. God yeah. no! And then yeah, it's,
2: get... you just got to hold. You've you got to hold your tongue.
0: What about mistakes? We talked a lot about mistakes at the start, you know, and the difficulties there. What yeah, about yeah. once once you're up and running? Have there ever been times when perhaps you've made an error? I don't know in in, in a particular deal or thing, you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: I trusted somebody and they stitched me up. So um, I'll tell you what happened. We were um, Barclays wanted someone to build a platform for them and to provide content and they kind of let it be known that if we tied up with uh, if CityWire tied up with Financial Express and bid for the contract, we could win it. So we'd have a good chance. So we tied up with Financial Express. We partnered and we bid for the contract and we won. And then Barclays said, that's great you've won, etc. But we don't want a contract with two companies. So I said, fine, Financial Express a we'll contract with you and you subcontract with us. That's great. We're all going well, we we'll get paid, etc, etc. And then I can't remember how many years later, but suddenly Financial Express served notice on us. I said, what are you doing? You're serving notice on us? You? We're partners. And you go, no, no, contract. No, no, no. So they serve notice on it. And, and like, you know, we were terminated and like next thing we know they've launched their own fund manager data which we were providing to Barclays. now they're providing their own to Barclays, so we were stitched up i mean they paid us about 30 grand compensation in the end um but that was an example i just trusted somebody funnily enough i mean there's very few examples where i feel i was let down like that very few
0: but i mean by and large you you must have you know you must have to trust people more than you distrust them right i mean you know
2: Yeah. Otherwise, you go. Otherwise, you go. Look, if you if you operate on the basis that someone's going to rip you off, you're spending all your time thinking about the downside. And that's one of the reasons I gave up, gave up law. Law was all about, you know, protecting your ass, drafting the document. The document has to be 60 pages long because of all the all the terrible things that could go wrong. You had to draft them and cover them. But, you know, I mean. That's just, I mean, what kind of, it really was bad for me as a personality. It would make me like really cautious. So, um, you know, I, I didn't want to be like that. I don't know if I've answered that question. What was the question? I've forgotten it already. I sort of ramped it on. It was just
0: more about, you know, most times when you trust people, that isn't a mistake.
2: Yeah, look, know? it's better. I prefer to be trust. I prefer to trust and be let down than never trust and never be let down because I always think everyone's a villain. it's a much healthier psychological i mean i had to teach myself to be like this look i came from a family of lawyers my dad was a lawyer all his brothers were lawyers his sister were lawyers my two older brothers were lawyers i was surrounded by lawyers
1: i've got got a question for you so Citywise always you know producing new ideas new products have there been times you've been particularly wed to an idea that you knew was wrong and you kept pushing
2: well, we talked about Mrs. Cohen. That was yeah. One.
1: But one. But more subsequently, I mean, it's been a long time.
2: Uh, you know, we did a book called Recipes for Wealth, which was a hard print. Read it. Uh, it was a hard print book.
0: No life lie, Frank. Based, Seen it and reading it are two different things. Come on. You based, on
2: based on our data. And uh, we promoted it through the mail on Sunday and it sold a lot of copies. And uh, we thought, oh, well, you know, let's update it and do it again. and uh, And it bombed. And uh, I think, you know, we were ostensibly partners with the Mail on Sunday, but we said, don't worry, we'll cover the loss. Maybe it was £20,000, £30,000. I remember Jeff Prestridge, the editor, saying, look, this is reader fatigue. You know, you've done it once, and you think, oh, right, you've done it once, it'll work again, but it didn't. I mean, you know, it's, it's you learn. I think the thing is, if your mistakes aren't too costly, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Are there, I mean, this is sorry, This we haven't done anything on this before. As a journalist, were there ever any big mistakes that you made? Oh, were God, there, were I got there ever, sued. Stories,
2: yeah yeah. To... yeah. yeah, yeah, When I was on the mail on Sunday, I got sued quite a lot.
0: Um <laughs> When we say quite a lot, I mean how how frequently uh, are we talking?
2: I don't know. I mean Robert Maxwell had three writs against me when he died. Robert Maxwell was a big financier, jumped off a boat, fell off a boat, not quite sure. Yeah, his daughter's
0: news for some reason recently. He oh. sued
2: me three times. Uh look, you do get things wrong, you know. That's just the reality of things. Sometimes you make mistakes and um and uh, you know hopefully not too often
0: and in maybe journal-
2: journalism in journal- you know i always had this thing with journalism that i sometimes what i do is if i knew something i would kind of that like, was bad i would kind of like not tell the full story cuz i'd i'd hold something back so that people would sort of think oh well it wasn't as bad as it could have been you know i also the other reason why i was glad to stop it i i got fed up of always bashing people on the head you know and being this Sounds glamorous, investigative journalist, but it's fine when it's a Barlow clouds, when it's little old ladies have been ripped off and you're you're exposing the way the government made mistakes over it, and in the end the government compensate the little old ladies. That's fine. But if it's just someone who's made a business error, why do I want to be the journalist with this horrible sneering tone saying, no, 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 you got it wrong? I hated that stuff.
0: Do you think that there are mistakes that you see in, maybe maybe it's City One, maybe it's other people, uh, that, that I suppose the media makes when covering either the asset management industry or investment do you sort of are there
2: well the things, things that frustrate me are, are more stylistic things like starting an article with lots of background not not kind of understanding what the nub of the story is realizing that the first sentence is really important and that you haven't got a god-given right for anybody to read your content so you have to make it really good so that first sentence that first paragraph you have to cajole people. And sometimes what I see is people don't make the best. They've got great content, but they just don't make the most of it.
0: I meant, oh, yeah, (laughs) it's a helpful little best practice session.
2: It's kind of of like your copy, Alex. And of course, Frank's as well. Hardly. I'm always having to rewrite Frank's frank's articles
0: yeah let's move on from this <laughs> um i meant more sort of you know perhaps the tone or you know the, you know some people criticize the breathlessness of financial media you like that. sometimes it's a bit too we're
2: too breathless to push people up and too breathless to knock them down yeah, like there's things I, I don't like, like when they talk about a fund manager's fund manager leaves a firm. You know, one thing I don't like at CityWire and, I, you know, I've issued an edict, if you can call it that. Don't say the manager's been axed. I mean, how would you like it? You've lost your job and someone says you've been axed. What a horrible way to describe it. You know, so I think we need to be accurate. We need to be fair. But also we need to have some degree of sensitivity.
0: Yeah, these are human Beings after, yeah. That. I mean,
2: yeah. you can make the point without being horrible.
0: In your time, you know, covering investment from, you know, your time at the Times and covering scandals and things to, to starting Citywire and interviewing managers, etc. Are there any sort of uh, big mistakes that you've noticed that sort of come up a lot? Sort of, you know, almost sort of every few gener, you know, every generation or, or two, you kind of see the same. I don't know whether whether it's hubris in a portfolio manager, whether it's um, You know, blind spots that certain people have. Are there kind of some? some, some,
2: Yeah, I mean, there are some. There are patterns that there are patterns that are common. So, for example, you know, there's this expression that the cover up is usually worse than the crime, or that people get caught by the cover up rather than the crime. And I've seen that a lot. That that you know, people do something wrong, but they don't get caught for doing that the thing wrong. They caught. They get caught from covering it up. Uh, the the other thing I've learned is that so many things go wrong because people don't communicate properly. You know, it's like the information is known somewhere in the system, but what department A doesn't talk to department B. And and that often leads to things going really badly wrong. And then the other thing is, and I guess it's relevant to, to Bitcoin, etc. Because, you know, I used to cover a lot of sort of get rich quick schemes or, or you know, just kind of things that offered huge amounts of return, which were basically bogus. And um, and I, I guess, you know, and it's, it's increasingly an unpopular view, but uh, there's just something about cryptocurrency that just reminds me of all those times before where people have been raving about a new investment or a new opportunity. And even some people who you would think are, you know, pretty well established and, and, and knowledgeable uh, start to rave about it. I, I'll give you a funny example. I won't name the fund manager, but years ago, back in 2000, there was a company called Infobank. Uh, and I think it was going to be the latest online banking. And this was long before online banking was established. And I remember talking to a really well-known fund manager who often was very, very analytical and uh, and I said to him, you know, people are saying this company whose shares have gone from like 40p to £4, pounds, you know, people were saying, you know, they, it could go to it could go to £50. Pounds. And aren't they mad? And expecting him to say, yeah, it's crazy. And he said, no, 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 I don't think that's beyond bounds of possibility. And of course, it, it went bust. So I'm saying that, you know, I do see there are these manias and very sensible people grab hold of them. And in the end, they explode. And I I still feel that is the what's going to happen vis-a-vis cryptocurrency, but a lot of people disagree. You know, you get carried away. It's the new paradigm. When I started Citywire, people were saying it's not about revenues, it's not about profits, it's about eyeballs. How many eyeballs have you got? How many people are looking at your website? That is the metric. One one user, one you know, two eyeballs, one user is worth fifty quid. So if you've got a million eyeballs, a million users, you've got You've got 50 million pound valuation, Uh, you know, so there are these kind of weird metrics that you see people believe and and often, so often, I mean, maybe it's the lawyer in me, but so often in the end, it proves to be ephemeral.
1: Has there been uh, a mistake in your 30, 30 years in the investment industry that surprised you the most made by someone else, not necessarily yourself? Something that really caught you off guard and you were shocked. Maybe some individual with a great reputation and it all came down. I'm not talking about Madoff here, but...
2: Uh, I think maybe, I mean, I know it's very UK-centric. I think the Neil Woodford thing, you know, I mean, when we were launching our first magazine, everybody, when we sat around the table deciding who to put on the front cover, everybody said Neil Woodford. And, And when you went around and talked to CEOs... And they said, tell us a fund manager that manages a lot of money that can actually really handle a lot of money and do well. Neil Woodford's name would always be mentioned. So it has been a bit of a surprise to me that he ultimately uh, imploded. But I I think, you know, and that's something else I've noticed over the years. It's always really useful to have somebody alongside you. Who is um, willing to say no, or or can tell you when you're going wrong, or just is a sort of yeah, is a kind of more senior person or a mentor or something like that, and I think Neil had that at, um, Investco, uh, Bob Urbury was one, there, there were others, uh, but when he strokes when he went out on his own, I don't think he really had that, and I think that, I think I think there are things that he did when he was. Uh, running his own shop which he just would have been told not to do had he been at a a firm or had he had he had more senior people alongside him that's interesting yeah so we all need somebody alongside us who is prepared to say no
1: who could call call the bullshit
2: yeah or just tell you where you're going wrong you know i mean not in a horrible way but just we all need that because i think i think there's a danger if we all just you know, if you've been, you, we all need sounding boards. Do you think, and we all, but I think they more important than the sounding boards. We also we also all need the willingness to admit where we're wrong.
0: So do you, do you think that in, in, in the asset management industry that there is enough of, of that sort of humility and, and willingness to to acknowledge and admit mistakes? I mean, so you do a series now, I think it's in its third, fourth, fifth year, the CEO Summit, CEO Tapes, as it was once called, where, you know, you've interviewed... I don't know, 30, 50 CEOs of, of of major asset managers around the world. Do you think that those firms and, and, and those individuals sort of uh, are collectively good enough at acknowledging where they where they go wrong and sort of fixing those things?
2: I, I mean, this is an awful generalisation, but asset management is not how I imagine investment banking is. My, my limited contact with investment banking through financial journalism was that they weren't particularly pleasant people, often arrogant and often ready to pounce on any mistake you made to put you down. Okay, just not people you wanted to spend time with. I find incredibly few people like that in asset management. You know, I think, okay, you know, the rewards are great in asset management, but in investment banking, they can be enormous. But I find that the the CEOs I've come across generally have not been difficult awkward arrogant people they've been kind of quite easy to relate to
0: very diplomatic but but also i'm sure true as well yeah um
2: well, you, you meet i mean i don't know you you'll know from your own experience i guess the other thing is because i represent Citywire, and because people think in inverted commas i'm either a journalist or i employ a lot of journalists people are perhaps on their best behavior with me and maybe you know when the when the doors close and i'm out of the room. They may behave differently. It's hard to judge. But the ones that I've got to know over the years, I think, uh, you know, I think they're decent people.
0: Well, there we go. That was our interview with Lawrence Lever, executive chairman, founder of CityWire and sort of definitely our boss, Frank. <laughs> a lot to, A lot to take from that.
1: Yeah, a lot to take. A lot of things I wasn't aware of before we did the podcast. I think the, the main thing that I personally am going to take from this is I certainly would not start my own business. You know, it wasn't something you I think, was considering beforehand. I don't know. You know I I frightening, about it before because <laughs> he talks about, you know, you know, being significantly in debt and, and money is just wasting away and you could be staring at failure, which lots of business owners do. It's, it's much harder to, to found a business than it is beat a benchmark, like like we criticise fund managers for. So, it's tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, well no. Fair enough. I thought, no, you're right. I, I probably wouldn't deal with the uh, the, the stress and anxiety of, of, of being a business owner or having debt. Uh, well, I don't think. I thought there were a couple of really interesting things there that, you know, even if you, you haven't founded a business that, that are sort of useful. Um, Particularly that first lesson, and sort of you know their meeting with Herman, their decision not to necessarily listen to all his advice, but you know the ultimate thing there about sort of effect- effectively focusing what you're good on, what you're good at, focusing on your your best idea, your core strength, and not being distracted by things that look similar that might be adjacent that you know could be a an avenue for you. Uh, I think that's probably something that you know whether you're running a portfolio or a business, there's that's something that you should take on board.
1: Yeah, and don't and don't fall in love with an idea as well. You know, they they were clearly they came in with these three ideas. They thought all of them had had legs. Herman turns around and goes, "This is the one you should do because you're you're passionate about it." But they were they also you know they hedged their bets, and ultimately that was a very costly move. And they were lucky to to make it out of their alive really
0: <laughs> alive a little strong. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I also thought the um, you know, and we both sort of admitted that we've made this mistake too. But kind of you know. Don't always go with your first instinct. Don't always sort of react to things and kind of say, "Hey, ugh, that's not what I wanted." Take a beat.
1: Like, like, don't, don't, don't write an email to your boss when you're angry. And in this case, Lawrence being our boss, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't go down that well. So just step away. Write it in twenty-four hours. You know, feel better.
0: About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> just really, really make use of that drafts folder. Just you know, exactly. Oh, please just delete, delete it every day. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought that was that. I thought that was yeah, some, something that we would call. All, learn from anything else frank that you that, that you took from from your time this time with lawrence as opposed to the all the other time that you spend with him oh uh, yeah to ultimately trust 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 people trust people yeah again i think that's a little bit like the reaction thing sometimes it, it takes time to learn that perhaps particularly when it's your money on the line you know and your you know your livelihood Oh also take uh, take breaks
1: when you're a business owner, you know, don't, uh, don't overwork yourself. Lawrence is definitely capable of overworking himself.
0: Speaking of taking breaks, we are going to take a break. Mistakes were made. Uh, we'll return in September. This is the last episode of the current run and we'll come back for season two. If, if the podcast that we put out with our boss uh, doesn't get us cancelled. So um, <laughs> we will see you then or hear you then or whatever the correct verb is we really enjoyed doing these interviews i hope that you've enjoyed listening to them and on that note it is goodbye from me alex Steger. and goodbye from me frank talbot